Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Puts it in the deck down to four seconds. Hunter in the corner. Ivy for the win. He got it! He got it! Wendell Moore. Long bounce pass to Griffin. Wow! Bonner back to Sohan. Timberlake up ahead to Durant. Look out! Oh, wow. And a foul. Washington wheeling, dealing. Got it! They leave it for Jones. Blocked by Kendall Brown, my goodness! Roach into the paint. Big Caro the finish! Holmgren's Instead. gonna bring it all the way oh down! My God. <laughs> the easy one, giving it up! Oh! And the hammer from Matherin! Murray back the other way. Murray, the two-hand jam, and the foul! Stopping a 6-0 Nebraska run. Jabari Smith All right, we are back for part two, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the South region and the Midwest. We're going to start things off in the Midwest with our good friend Richard Stamen from Mavs Draft. He does a great job breaking down uh, this region. You're going to hear a lot of love for two players in particular uh, with this one. So hope you guys are in, uh, in for that one. And then Derek Murray's coming back to join us, and he's going to be breaking down the South region for us. So Really appreciate Derek for doing double duty here and covering two different regions. So a lot to talk about here. And at the very end of this podcast, uh, me and Richard go through and actually share our bracket. We go through every single region and share our picks. So this one is going to be a bit lengthier, but thank you so much for hanging on. Part two is a lot of fun. Uh, and I think you guys are going to enjoy hearing about these prospects that could be available for the Pacers in the draft, whether that's at pick five, pick 19, wherever they're projected and their second-round pick that they got in the trade for Karis LeVert, which belongs to the Houston Rockets, but now it is a Pacers pick. So the Rockets continuing to lose games helps the Pacers with that second-round pick. But with that being said, if you haven't already, make sure you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoy part two of our March Madness preview. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are here to talk about the Midwest region here with Richard from Mavs Draft, Locked On, NBA Draft as well. Richard, thanks so much for joining me, man. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to be on here. It's good to be back and can't wait to talk about a bracket that I will inevitably change. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the story of the game here. It's just like everybody, uh, the name of the game here, excuse me, everybody loves to, uh, you know, fill out their bracket and then we'll go see what other experts say and then try not to change it, but then they convince them to change it. So um, especially when you see upsets, you're like, oh, I, I, can, I can see myself uh talk myself into that one so we got kansas as the one seed auburn as the two seed wisconsin as the three providence as the four iowa is the fifth seed and lsu is a six and i'm not going to keep reading them all but those are your top six in the 16 in this region so uh we're gonna go through and we're gonna reveal the top five draft prospects in this region so we're gonna do a little bit different than we may have done with the other uh other podcasts there are other interviews we've done for this march madness preview 
We're going to work our way down from five to one. So at number five, who do you got on the board? Yeah, I'm going to start with the one seed. I have Oche Agbachi, who will obviously get an easy pass in round one. One seed's not going to lose this year. Um, and, you know, one of the best shooters in the class. I think he's going to have a good time to shine in this NCAA tournament. Where do you think he falls out in the draft? You know, I every year I convince myself this is the year teams learn to take a senior shooter that has good athleticism and, you know, the frame isn't overwhelmingly good, but somehow I feel like he's still going to fall in like 20 or something, mm. 25, somewhere in that range is where I see him. I have him 21, so it's not like the most egregious thing just because there are some shortcomings with him. Mm. But ultimately, I do think uh, he's a late first-round pick, even though it might be worthy of mid-first-round, almost end of lottery. Mm. Okay, well, let's move on to number four. Who you got? Yeah, this one is uh, now Now the controversy begins. I have uh, I have Johnny Davis at Wisconsin. Mm. Uh, I currently have him at number 13 on my board. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Johnny Davis is somebody that's, you know, we've seen – I've seen a lot on mock drafts in that top eight. And I know that there is some intrigue with him, but I'm, I'm curious, why do you maybe have him out of the top 10? Yeah, he's one of the hardest evaluations for me because there's a lot of times I just can't evaluate these one-man shows a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be perfectly open about this. I missed on Trey Young because I horribly misevaluated him as a one-man show, kind of judging him as a guy who played – I judged him too similarly to how, you would, how I view like Paolo on Duke, right, where he has four other first-round prospects. Trey Young was it. Um, I, I definitely did that wrong, and I should probably learn my lesson on it. But with Johnny Davis, I just worry a little bit about how he gets his shot off in the NBA consistently and uh, more in tight, tight pressure situations. I think ultimately he'll get his shot. I just wonder how much volume it turns into. I think he's best at using his moves that he's dominated the NCAA with as an off-ball player, kind of using it as attacking this, the closeouts and spot-up drives and things like that. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, let's move on to number three. Who do you got? Yeah, this uh, it started getting really hard at number three, and I actually have a, a controversial one here, I think. I think this is rather unpopular. Two slots in front of him on my big board. I have Tari Eason at number 11 overall, okay. uh, and he's out of LSU. That's, that's who I thought you might say as number three. Um, probably a little bit surprised that Johnny Davis was below him, and I'm sure that's what you're talking about with that controversy. But I, I do think that if you look at the framework there of uh, Eason, I mean, he is a he is a more more of a small forward type player, right? So uh, just just a wing that I think could translate a little bit differently into the NBA. So I can see why you have him there. Uh, a lot of fans are intrigued by him. Uh, now I think we know who two and one are, but let's see who do you have at number two. Yeah, I have Keegan Murray. That's gotcha. You. I was uh, I was I was assuming Keegan Murray. I was like, I, I know you love Keegan Murray, so I was not gonna like uh, expect you to put him number one. But like, it wouldn't have completely surprised me if you had him number one over Jabari Smith from Auburn. But um, you know, obviously Jabari Smith has to be number one in this in this region only because. Uh, there's potential he could go number one overall. So um, I don't know if you have Jabari as number one on your board or not, but uh, how, how close do you think Kim and Keegan are in terms of uh, comparing their draft, uh, their draft stock? You know, I wanted to give a sarcastic answer and say, actually, I don't have Jabari on this list at all. But, but no, <laughs> sorry. I, I think, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I wanted, uh, or excuse me. I think, I think with Jabari, 
yes, he is my number one prospect. Uh, the feel I've gotten is when it comes down to a tiebreaker, because I think the best talent in the class is, feels like the general feel around the league is Chet Holmgren is actually the best talent. Like if you're just doing a pure talent evaluation, number one is Chet Holmgren. However, when it comes down to, if you're the number one pick, you're, you're the team that holds the number one pick. You want someone who is going to be there every single game and his floor may be a little bit lower, his ceiling may be a little bit lower, but I, I think these teams would feel more comfortable with Jabari Smith. I, I think I've talked with you about it, how I see Jabari as a big clay or bigger clay because mm-hmm. he's pretty big. And if you can get a 6'10 clay Thompson, I, I think that goes number one. Like we learned number 11 or whatever he went in the draft was significantly too low. And, you know, I think in a redraft, there's a chance, there's a real argument he goes top three. So if that's the case in a weaker draft, I think, and that was obviously a stat class. I was a Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, like it was a loaded class. In a class like this, where it's probably not going to be that strong, Jabari's my number one guy. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of different, uh, you know, different arguments here. I've heard Banchero, I've heard, I've heard Jabari, I've heard Chet. I've even heard some people say that they think Jaden Ivey could go number one, which I think that is probably the least likely of the four. But with that being said, I, I think it all depends on how they do in, in the combine, how they do in workouts, and how they do in this tournament. And say what you want, but this tournament does have a huge impact on where these players are selected because everybody's got eyes on these players. So fans start to get more familiar with this draft class right around this time. Um, We've been keeping an eye on it probably since December when the Pacers have just really sucked and came out basically and said they're rebuilding. They're going into a, into a tank mode almost uh, without actually saying tanking, but here we are fifth best odds at, at the number one pick. So interestingly enough, this is a really intriguing uh, bracket here but I would say if I'm looking at this board who what team or what player needs to have the most impactful tournament to really help their draft stock in your opinion yeah I actually there, there's a few guys I'll start with one of the names in the top five which uh, or actually there's two I mean Keegan Murray has a real opportunity to go deep here and while I already see him as someone who goes top eight there's a real argument he can move into that best man that's not Paolo Chet Jabari or Ivy. Um, So that's a real boost he could get being a two-way scorer. The other one's Tari Eason. Um, I I really do think they have an opportunity for a run depending on how that coaching shakeup changes, uh, you know, makes up for him. And then I'm going to dig a little bit deeper, but actually I think that USC Miami game has a real opportunity. Um, I'll get into this in a bit, but I really think that those, either of those two teams could beat Auburn. And if so, you're looking at two guys breaking out. If it's Miami, it's Isaiah Wong, a guy who I've consistently had top 45 since last year, arguably the best shot creator in terms of, or space creator, excuse me, with handles in this class. And then also on USC, you have Isaiah Mobley, brother of Evan Mobley, who is ridiculously long, has a really good chance to shut down Auburn's Jabari Smith in round two. And if he gets to that stage and does that, he's looking at making himself draftable. Right now, he's a little bit fringe draftable. Uh, but his frame and tools are really strong. He can run a pick and roll as a 6'9 forward. And I think that uh, someone like him could jump into the mid-early second round with a really strong tournament. Yeah, I think people forget that Evan Mobley's brother is, is still with USC. Obviously, remember the run they had last year. Um, do, do you think that because of the success that Evan has had this year, probably going to win Rookie of the Year, that's going to help his brother potentially get drafted, at least in the second round, because of the upside? 
I mean, I don't think the league makes it a secret that nepotism is a thing. I mean, yeah. Taylor Griffin made the league after Blake. Uh, so I, and, and that man was not a top 100 prospect in his class. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I completely understand that. So obviously uh, that 7-10 matchup is a, a really fun one to watch here. Um, I was telling you before we did this, I, I actually did a one bracket where I just put it in like a, a wheel, like the two teams playing each other and spun it. And Miami actually got to the Elite Eight for me when I did it that way. So, um, you know, I, I would not be mad at that if that bracket does do well, uh, you know, going off here. Because Auburn, though, you, you talk about them being a team that could be potentially upset in the round of 32, what is it about Auburn that you're a little bit concerned about? Yeah, so first of all, I want to make it abundantly clear. They're not losing to Jacksonville State. I hope to God this does not burn me uh, <laughs> within the next few days, but they, they're not going to lose to Jacksonville State. Uh, but the USC-Miami teams, I mean, I think both of them are underseeded. Miami hasn't lost a game by five, I don't think, or by more than five points since like November, maybe early December. Um, USC and, and Miami can beat anybody. They should have almost beaten. They probably should have beaten Duke last week in the ACC tournament. They did beat Duke. Uh, they can hang with anybody. USC has the length and they also have the guard play. And that's where Auburn really is weak. Both the, these two teams, Miami and USC have good guard play. Auburn does not. Katie Johnson and Wendell. Um, I have to get my Wendell's right. There, there's Wendell Carter on the Magic, Wendell Moore on uh, Duke. Wendell Green on Auburn has wild shot selection. So does Katie Johnson. Alan Flanagan, who's like a shooting guard wing for him, has been pretty bad. So in March, when you can't win with your guards, it's nice that Kessler Edwards uh, can, you know, do what he can do. But he's not a guy who's going to carry you to a win. And Jabari Smith, unfortunately, with this Auburn team, I don't think this is a reflection on his NBA talent. I want to make that very clear. Um, can't carry a team. And, you know, and those are the two guys that you're going to probably be leaning on for a lot of possessions. I don't know if that's a winning strategy. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's definitely true. And so, I mean, that's a, a team to keep an eye on because obviously I think with a lot of NBA fans being familiar with Jabari, they might pick Auburn to have a deep run. But like you said, in, in the tournament, it's totally different. It's totally different. You can see teams with great NBA players get beat just because the college game is a team sport and basketball in general is a team sport, right? But um, I, I think it's just a little bit different because – trying to carry a team is a very hard thing to do. And there's some teams that have been playing really hot right now. And I think Iowa is one of those teams has been one of the hottest teams in the country. Uh, Keegan Murray has been on fire. They ripped out my heart as an IU fan in the big 10 tournament with uh Bo Hannon hitting a bank in three to win the game. So uh, is there some, uh, is there some potential here with Iowa as a five seed, maybe winning it all? Yeah, that's, that's a very real possibility. It's what I have. Mm. Iowa has a pretty easy path. So I think actually their hardest game in the first weekend would be against Richmond, their opening matchup, uh, just because Richmond's gotten really hot and Tyler Burden is a really sh sharp shooter. I think he could get drafted. Jacob Gilliard is the all-time leader in the NCAA now in steals. Uh, he's someone who could make the league. He's a really good shooter and playmaker, despite being undersized. And then Providence, South Dakota State, that's a toss-up, but whoever wins that is not beating Iowa, uh, especially just because if South Dakota State wins, you know, they're not, they're not going to be able to play defense on them. And then comes Kansas. Kansas is such a top-heavy team, and unfortunately for them, Iowa, their top of the roster is much better than Kansas's top of the roster. I mean, Keegan Murray really should be a national player of the year. And from there, it's pretty wide open, I think. I mean, in the final four, who knows what's going on in the other regions, but I really do think that their path is pretty simple in terms of get out of the first round and everything else should be pretty clear. 
Yeah, and I think Iowa being in the Midwest is definitely a benefit to them um, because all of their games are semi-close. Iowa fans travel well. And looking at all the other number one seeds in this tournament, I would I would have to assume Kansas is probably the uh, the lesser of the four in terms of the number one overall seeding. Yeah, I, I think they're probably the weakest number one. I was a little bit shocked. Um, but, I mean, also Duke – not beating North Carolina a week ago, I think killed those chances. Mm-hmm. But Kansas, yeah, they are uh, they are one of the weaker ones just because they they really can't play more than six guys reliably. Yeah, yeah, and then that's going to be a problem if they get in foul trouble. So, um, you know, Iowa, they're just a team that I'm keeping my eye on. Obviously, I'm a Big Ten person, so I know more about them. Another Big Ten team that usually always seems to have success in, in this tournament is Wisconsin. Um, they did not play great in the Big Ten tournament. They actually, I think they were one and done, so – um, talk me through Wisconsin. Is there a chance that they could have a little bit of a run here? So uh, kind of going back to that Trey Young thing. I mean, Trey Young didn't have success in the NCAA tournament, be- tournament being a one-man show. Somewhat rare to have success being a one-man show like Johnny Davis. And to me, that's that kind of sense smells upgrade – or, uh, excuse me, upset. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me on that. <laughs> um, with Colgate. I, I think Colgate, they got smacked by Arkansas last year who went to the Elite Eight. And uh, that was a much better team. I think I gave them a real sense of, of how to win in the tournament. And they brought back most of their roster. I think Wisconsin should be on upset alert. The mm-hmm. thing they have going for them is that um, Colgate plays a lot of pick and roll drop coverage, which isn't, I mean, I don't, I, I haven't watched the Big Ten as much as you to pay attention to that. But mm-hmm. I do know Colgate does that. Maybe that'll benefit Johnny Davis. And if so, like I said, that part of the bracket is just wide open. So it could be a high ceiling for him. Yeah, you know, honestly, when I was filling out this bracket, as I was going along, picking my teams and stuff, um, you know, I found this bracket to be the most challenging for me to pick because once you start getting upsets, it's just it can get real messy down here. You know, so I I had Iowa in my final four. Um, I think I had them beating Auburn, if I'm not mistaken. But honestly, that would be an incredible matchup. I think that might be one of the most anticipated games that, that we could see as Iowa versus Auburn in the Elite Eight. And, uh, man, I think Keegan Murray versus Jabari Smith would probably be so much fun that, uh, you know, fans might not know what to do because if Keegan Murray pulls that out, you might have some people start talking themselves into Keegan Murray uh, as, as the fifth overall prospect uh, in this draft, maybe maybe even top four if they uh, if they really like what they see from him. Yeah, uh, I do think that they would actually face off and, you know, match up against each other. And it would probably be the number one draft matchup of the year outside of probably Gonzaga versus Duke earlier. Right. And, you know, there's only one other real matchup that we haven't seen yet that could happen early in the uh, in the tournament, which is Chet versus Jalen Duran and Memphis-Gonzaga. Mm. This could actually probably top that in terms of average ranking on my board, at least. I, I have Keegan Murray number seven. So, and I have Chet, or excuse me, Jabari Smith, number one, so that averages out to four, which would be higher than anything else I have for any matchup uh, in the first two rounds. Yeah, and this this probably sounds like a Keegan Murray love podcast right now because we're talking a lot about him. But I remember you put out a tweet not too long ago, and you said, I think we're overthinking Keegan Murray. Um, why do you think there's so much skepticism of him as an NBA prospect? And how how has that, you know, how have, how have you been able to look through that and realize, like, no, I think he can be a legit NBA player. Yeah, so it starts – I think it really starts with the age factor. He turns 22 in August. 
and he's a sophomore. So I get it. He, you know, he's a little bit older, but also I just don't care about the age gap. Like if you're 21 in August and you turn 21 in May, like Tari Eason does, I'm not going to like, it's, it's three months. Like, let's be real. The gap isn't that massive. I don't, I don't think a whole lot really changes for three months, but ultimately for Keegan Murray, it's, he's, he can play both ends which is a massive plus, but also it's not just that he's a two-way player. He's an electric scorer. I think a lot of people look at how he scores. They say, oh, he does a lot of it in quick offense. It's fine. The NBA plays very quick. I don't see how that's an issue. And then on top of that, with the defense, he has had the same amount of games with a block as Kessler uh, Walker, or Walker Kessler, excuse me. I still get Kessler Edwards. Uh, he's still in my head from last year. But Walker Kessler, the number one shot blocker in the country, has as many games with a block as Keegan Murray. That's ridiculously uh, rare for a guy who's not a center. So when you factor in the fact that this guy's an electric scorer, he can score to all three levels, and then he plays good defense, what are we missing here? Exactly, and that's what I'm kind of thinking. Like like you said, don't overthink it. And, you know, there was a time because it's it's so hard to really pinpoint your top ten, and I think the shade and sharp stuff really did throw things for a loop here with this draft class because it seems like, um, you know, everybody keeps saying he'll go back next year, but there's really seems to be some momentum saying, no, he's going to end up staying in this draft class because he will be a lottery pick. So it, it felt like there for a minute, all the hype about him kind of catapulted him potentially over a guy like Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis, those type of players that were in that five to 10 range. Right. So um, I don't know where you have Murray compared to Sharp, but since Sharp won't be playing in this tournament, I, I think that this only helps Keegan stock. And I think that sharp the best way for him to get up into that top five, top six is going to be through workouts. And it's going to be through the draft combine and just teams willing to take that chance without seeing any college game from him. So I think that's an interesting thing to look at as well in terms of, um, you know, how Keegan can kind of raise his draft stock, especially against a guy like, um, like I just mentioned, I'm blanking on his name now that I just said it. Uh, sharp, excuse me, Shaden Sharp. So, uh, do you do you think that the Shaden Sharp stuff is going to really impact Keegan Murray's draft stock? I mean, I think Sharp has a real case for being the number one player in this draft. Uh, he was a dominant high school player. He's six five, long arms, and scored all three levels. Ridiculously athletic, rivals Jalen Green as a finisher and athleticism. So, I think uh, I think there's a real chance he could leapfrog Keegan. But like you said, he would have to convince scouts and executives so hard in these workouts that, you know, that saying hey, this guy almost being a player of the year is less than what I can do at such a young age. And I don't know if that, how realistic that is. Um, teams do get wooed by those in-person one-on-zero workouts. And if he kills those three-on-threes, maybe he is, you know, maybe he's ready. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. So I think we pretty much covered all the, the draft stuff in, in terms of this region here in the Midwest. And Obviously, you have Iowa coming out of the Midwest, and I think that's interesting as well. And I think you said you actually had them winning it all, right? So, um, you know, going with the Hawkeyes, I, I like everything about the Hawkeyes except for their head coach, Fran McCaffrey. The dude just gets on my nerves. Uh, I think that's more so just me being a Big Ten fan and having to see him all the time. And just uh, he just drives me crazy. I won't lie, Richard, but uh, – um, you know, I think both Keegan and Chris Murray are fun to watch and Bohannon, man, like guys like that, what he was able to do against IU by hitting that big shot in, uh, in the semifinals before they went to the finals against, uh, Purdue in the big 10 tournament. I think those are kind of moments like you will find happening for Iowa if they get into a close situation 
Um, you know, teams are going to try to figure out a way to stop Keegan, but I, I think Bohannon is a guy that could really make a big difference here for this team, especially with all of the experience he has. I think this is his sixth year in college basketball, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and we know experience matters, even if it's almost like a cheat code. But experience and guard play, especially that combo, experienced guards do well in March. Yeah, absolutely. So, Richard, go ahead and tell people where they can find you at on social media and, and let us know if you have anything that you'd like to plug. Yeah, at Mavstraft is uh, where everything is on Twitter. I pretty much plug everything through there. But uh, Locked On NBA Draft, I drop every Tuesday. And uh, we're doing some prospect previews this week on uh, on who to watch throughout the tournament. But it'll be a fun tournament. We're going we're gonna to have some good guests coming up. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this portion of the show. We really appreciate it. Awesome stuff there from Richard Stamen. He will be back with me, but now we're going to go into the South region with Derek Murray. All right, joining us to close things out here, we're going to talk about the South, and it's the one and only Derek Murray coming back uh, for another another part of this episode. And so I want to thank him so much for helping me out here and, and covering two of these uh, of these regions here. So we're going to be talking about the South, like I said. So Derek, thanks so much for coming back on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right, well, let's let's jump right into it because I had told you, um, you know, looking at this group here, Arizona's a one, Villanova's the two. Uh, you know, this is a really, really interesting quadrant here, and I, I'm curious just to your top five in this. And so we're going to start with your number one and just work our way down until we get to your to your fifth player. But who is your number one prospect in this region right here? Uh, number one easily is going to be uh, Benedict Matherin from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a guy that has kind of set himself up to be a top 10 pick. I think late lottery is probably the floor at this point. Um, just incredibly versatile, movement shooter, big physical, above the rim with ease, can handle the ball a little bit. I, I just think he's the guy right now. Do you have any, like, player comp maybe that you could throw out there? I mean, I know those are always, you know, skeptical or, or they're subject, obviously, but um, is there anybody that you kind of see some of their uh, similarities in their game to, uh, to Benedict's? Oh, man. You know, I got to be honest. I uh, I just don't do player comps. I quickly Googled real fast player comps for Mather to see if I liked it. And I just don't. I just don't. So, yeah, no, that's, I apologize, that's to- I apologize no. to the listeners. No, it's totally fine. I think it's just every player is unique in their own way. And I think every player you could say, well, they have shades of this guy and shades of that guy and shades of that guy. And then you put all three together and you think you have a superstar, but they all have to be like elite at that. But, uh, you know, Mather is someone I've been interested in too as well. Um, not necessarily sure where I think I would take him, but if the Pacers, you know, they're, they're slotted to take the fifth overall pick right now, obviously draft lottery odds say that that's probably not going to be where they land. There's potential they could be six, seven or, or eight. Um, if he's maybe in that eight spot, I wouldn't be mad if the Pacers took him there because I do think that he could be a really nice fit with this roster, but, um, let's move on. Uh, number two, who do you have here? Number two, I've got Kennedy Chandler, the point guard from Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a guy with, I guess I would say, fairly wide range, maybe like 15 to 30, uh, maybe 15 to 35. You know, he is undersized, but he's incredibly quick with the ball. Um, really, really fast point guard with great bursts. So um, good vision. They can score a little bit. I'll be, I'll be interested to see how he does. I was a little peeved that. Tennessee got a three seed and Duke got the two, which was a lot of discourse on Twitter the other night about that. Mm. So 
I, I think I expect them to come out and play really, really well. Yeah, and I and I and I saw some different people ask uh, the some of the guys from the from the board that selected where these seeds are at, and and they pretty much just avoided the question altogether with their answers. So I, I think Tennessee could be a sleeper in this in this uh, tournament. But uh, let's move on. Who do you have at number three? Uh, at three, I've got Malachi Branham, uh, the guy from Ohio State, and it's okay. interesting. I've got two Ohio State guys in here, uh, Branham and EJ Liddell. I put Branham in the guys that I'm excited to watch ahead. Most guys probably have Liddell a little bit higher in their mm-hmm. uh, big boards and mock drafts. Like we currently have Liddell at 20. We have Branham at 27, and that feels pretty right across the board. But Branham, just a freshman, he's really bloomed in the second half of this season. You know, he came as a pretty highly touted recruit, had a really slow start. Speed of the game was pretty quick. But over the last 15 games, I mean, he's just been on fire. It's just kind of an easy 25 points, you know, one or two nights a week. And I'm just really excited to see him kind of on, on the big stage and see if he can continue that offense. So is that your three and your four? Yes, EJ Liddell is my is my fourth as well. Okay. Um, then let's just go ahead and uh, close it out here with your, uh, your top five, with your number five. Five, I've got uh, Musa Diabate from Michigan. He's the oh, power yeah. forward there. I think he's a guy, he's being criminally underrated by a lot of media, and I don't know why. You know, he's not the sexiest player, the sexiest pick, because he's not hitting a bunch of threes. Therefore, a lot of people just don't like him. NBA teams love him, and I think he's really, really good. So it's still yet to be seen if he'll come out from school. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in this draft. But uh, Musa comes in at five for me. And then quick shout-out number six, put David Roddy from Colorado State. He's probably one of the most fun guys to watch in the country. So I had to to give him a shout-out, too. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about them because, uh, you know, they play each other. Michigan plays Colorado State in the 11-6 matchup. So I wasn't wasn't sure, um, you know, if David Roddy was somebody that we should keep an eye on. And where is is he most likely projected to fall in this year's draft? Yeah, we have him right now at – let me see where we've got him. Uh, We've got him at 38. I think anywhere from – 35 I'll be honest 35 to 60 I think it's pretty wide somewhere in that second round um he's one of my favorite guys that I've seen in person this year so I'm hoping he gets selected gotcha gotcha can you tell us a little bit more about his game and what you like overall about it yeah so he's like six five I think I don't know what they list him at he's probably close to 250 260 I see 255 here yeah I mean he's he's a huge he's a huge person but he's averaging 20 seven and a half and three he's shooting 45 percent from three and it's not like on low volume either i mean he's taking three and a half threes a game and he's hitting them at a high clip um can be your small ball four if you want him operating out of the post can you can run your offense through him as your lead guard at times mm-hmm. honestly it's kind of nuts how versatile he is i just don't know right now who he guards at the mm-hmm. nba level and that is you know a lot of questions a lot of teams say okay well who does he guard and I just don't really know if I have an answer right now because he's too short to guard NBA fours. He's probably not quick enough for most NBA threes. So that's where he gets stuck in between. But offensively, he's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Colorado State. I can actually say that I haven't seen any of Colorado State, but I will be watching them. I hope they beat Michigan. Uh, I am not a Michigan fan. Uh, being in the Big Ten, I should like them more, but I just I've I've never been a huge Michigan fan, so um, I'm I'm just a hater, I guess. But uh, an, a guy from Michigan that I think is another intriguing prospect um, is Caleb Houston. Um, where do you where do you think what do you think he needs to do in this tournament to really improve his draft stock? I 
this may sound a little harsh. I don't think it matters what he does. I think he needs to go back to school and most people feel the same. Gotcha. Um, it's, it's crazy to kind of fall from grace for him where a lot of guys had him bona fide top 10 at high school. And I just don't think he needs to come out. So he shot 20, uh, let's see, 36% from three this year, much better as of late, which has been really nice to see. But as far as a creator, it's, he's just severely lacking. Um, as a spot-up shooter, he's really good, fairly intelligent off-ball defender. But the lack of athleticism and creation uh, is just kind of an issue for people. So, you know, if he comes out and has a Juzang-like year the way Johnny had last year where he just, you know, hitting seven or eight threes two or three or four days in a row – you know, now you're talking about a kid who may have the juice to kind of jump back in there, but I just don't really see that happening. So um, if he comes out probably early to mid second round pick, but I think he should go back to school. Yeah. And I mean, that might not hurt him at all to, to do that. So um, you talked about it when we talked about the East region, you said Christian Coloco, uh, excuse me, Arizona is a team that you think would win it all. Uh, you hadn't done your bracket yet, but uh, Christian Coloco is a center here that went to a Sierra Canyon high school, uh, he's from Cameron, uh, the nation of Cameron. So 21, uh, almost 22 years old by the draft. He's seven foot one, 225 center. He's a junior. Uh, tell me a little bit more about his game and what you like about him. Watching him during pregame warmups is a special, uh, it's a special experience because he is so tall and so long mm-hmm. and he's not stiff at all. Again, a seven foot one, seven foot, I can't remember, seven, six, seven wingspan, something like that. We've got it on our website. But he's incredibly long, and he just moves well. So he's going to be a rim protector at the NBA level. He's much more efficient inside this year than he has been in the past. So his field goal percentage the last three seasons, 48 as a freshman, 52 as a sophomore, and 62 and a half this year. Mm. And then his free throw percentage year to year, 35, 62. And this year he's at 74 and a half. So there's a drastic, significant improvement as a basketball player, as a scorer from an efficiency standpoint. And there's a lot of love for him. So early to mid-second for Coloco is my prediction right now. All right, all right. So I uh, I want to talk a little bit about Villanova. I don't know if you've got to see them a whole lot, but, you know, obviously Jay Wright always does a good job with whoever he has on his roster. They're the two seed, but I haven't heard about any significant prospects coming out of Nova. Is this just a team that's really well balanced and, and they don't really have a, a, an NBA prospect on the roster? Or do you see some potential with this roster? Like maybe a guy uh, has, has a good tournament run and it, and it does help bolster. I'm just, I'm not super familiar with this Villanova team. I think there's a handful of G League guys or guys that can go make a ton of international money that may make some training camps. You know, Justin mm-hmm. Moore, Jermaine Samuels, Brandon Slater. You know, they're really strong, physical, big, long, versatile, kind of th- hybrid three fours, all of them, mm-hmm. um, but all lack elite athleticism. And shooting has been an issue for, you know, most of them. Um, I think out of that grouping, 34% is the highest. We have Colin Gillespie as a second-round pick right now. I think he comes into the NBA day one and gives you backup point guard minutes. I don't know if he ever becomes a starter. Probably not but I just think he's the kind of guy you want on your roster as a backup guy getting minutes. You know, he can come and give you 10, 12 a game. Uh, minutes, that is, he'll, he won't make any bad decisions. He's rarely going to turn it over. You know, 1.7 turnovers in 34 minutes a game, averaging fifth, uh, 16, 4, and 4. 45% from 3, 90 from the free throw line. So, I don't know. I just think he's a guy worth picking in that second round. He's kind of a personal favorite of mine there in the back end. Yeah, I mean, I think Villanova players have, have done pretty well over the last couple of years. I know uh, 
there's been some guys that have been drafted there. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. So obviously I think this is a, this is probably the most difficult um, for me anyway, in terms of like um, real big draft prospects outside of, um, you know, Benedict Matherin. I mean, nobody really in the top 10 aside from him, I think with this group, but I think this is a interesting, interesting bracket here in, in terms of, how it all shakes out because I could see some upsets here, but you said Arizona is probably your favorite to win it. Do you, uh, you think there's any other sleeper teams that could maybe make a decent run here um, and get to the elite eight or the final four? I do. It's, it's interesting. I think Arizona comes out of it. Um, I think if there's a challenger to them, it's Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Not only do I think they should have been a two seed, I think they're good enough and now they're pissed. And I just think you're going to get the very best version of Tennessee. But this one has some even first-round matchups that I'm super excited about and a lot of potential seconds. So as an Ohio State fan, I am terrified of Loyola Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I just – that is just not a team you want to play. So you don't want to play them. Michigan-Colorado State is awesome because I could not tell you. I've seen both of them in person. Roddy and Isaiah Stevens for Colorado State are awesome. But if Caleb Houston is hitting threes and Diabate scoring and Dickinson's cleaning up the boards, you're not going to beat them. So I don't know what's going to happen in that one. Chattanooga, Tennessee is my hometown. Uh, so Chattanooga playing against Illinois. Not many people know Chattanooga's center is Silvio D'Souza from Kansas. So he transferred down there. That is going to be a very, very difficult matchup for both teams. Uh, UAB has Jordan Walker on it, who scored like 25 a game or something stupid. So mm-hmm. Houston and Illinois, if you're Arizona, you don't want to see either one of them. <laughs> and then I don't want to see Loyola. And then I also think Tennessee is going to come out. So I don't have a clue what's going to happen. <laughs> but I right. think this first round is probably my favorite, like strictly first round matchups of yeah. all the four brackets, right? Or all the four um, regions right now. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. And, um, you know, those eight, nine matchups are always fun. Seton Hall and TCU. I know TCU. Uh, is a team that I picked in this one here, but I think that it's a toss-up, obviously, all eight, nine games are. But there's been a lot of buzz around Chattanooga potentially beating Illinois, and we do often see a 13 beat a four seed. And Illinois, I'm not sure if uh, the Big Ten tournament was uh, any type of projection of what might be to come for them if they're a team that just, you know, I mean, they should have taken care of Indiana, in my opinion, being the number one uh, seed in the Big Ten tournament, especially with Indiana really – having some issues all year long, but Indiana hung in there and, and closed that one out. But, uh, you know, Chattanooga, they're a, they're, a, they're a sleeper team. And like you said, Houston is always one of those teams where you kind of have to wonder um, how far they can go because I believe they won their tournament, if I'm not mistaken. So They, uh, they did, but they mm-hmm. won. They, so Memphis beat them twice in the last, like, three weeks, and then they handled them in the tournament. And Houston, it's interesting, they're one of those teams that, their net compared to Ken Palm, compared to the national rankings, compared to seeding, like it is just a wide variety mm-hmm. of numbers. There's not any kind of oh, they're a bona fide, you know, top twelve in ABC, no matter where you look, like Arizona or Gonzaga or you know Kansas. Yeah. So you know Houston, I'm really not sure what to, I think they get past UAB, but that second round is where I'm like, man, that you know they could go to the Elite Eight, but then they might not even make it to the Sweet Sixteen. So yeah. I don't know that they're one they're one to watch though. Yeah, I, I, like you said, it's it's always so interesting, and I'm not a college expert whatsoever. Um, you know, I pretty much just keep up with Indiana University when I can, and then I'll watch some games every once in a while just to see some prospects. But I'm not keeping up with it like uh, like college analysts are. And I think there's a 
I think college basketball, this is the best time of year for any basketball, really. I just love watching the tournament, and um, I'm excited to see what happens. So, Derek, thank you so much for completing uh, this uh, the South region for us here in terms of breaking down some of these prospects and some of these games. And uh, one more time, let people know where they can find you at on social media and uh, what else you would like to plug. Yeah, of course. Uh, my Twitter's the Murray Hoops. You can find all of our stuff there. And then basketballnews.com, if you can find everything from me, um, our lead NBA draft analyst, Matt Babcock, he was traveling, traveling all the time, a um, bunch of articles, big board mock drafts coming out. So we'll get that up and rolling, uh, update a big board this week, and then mock draft as soon as March Madness comes to a conclusion. And we got a lot of these freshmen making decisions. So I appreciate you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Derek. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, once we get closer to the draft, I'm sure we will have you back on to let uh, to just have you let us know what you've been hearing and uh, maybe some of these guys that could be a good fit for the Pacers once we have the draft lottery and have an idea of where the Pacers will actually be picking from. So, Derek, once again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, my man. Yes, sir. Thanks. Incredible stuff there from Derek. Now we are going to jump into our bracket reveal. Me and my man Richard are just going to go back and forth sharing our stuff. We both have some different upsets here, so I think you all are going to enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoy it and let us know what you think of our picks, our upsets, if you think we're crazy, if you agree with us, if you kind of see like, hey, I wasn't thinking that before, you convinced me to change my mind, let us know on Twitter, at MavsDraft, at AlexGoldenBA. Here is our record review. All right, so to wrap up the entire uh, show here, I thought it'd be cool to, to bring Richard back on and talk about this entire bracket. And so we're just going to go through and, and share our picks. Obviously, we've already given you our winners. Uh, Richard has gone with Iowa. I've gone with Gonzaga. Uh, but now that we've talked about all this stuff, I might end up changing my pick as we go along. So uh, it'll be fun. Obviously, everybody can change their own pick. But um, it's not Thursday yet. The day has not locked in. So let's start up here in the West region. We will work our way through this bracket until we get to the final four and then move on to the east but let's start with the west here so who you got gonzaga or georgia state you know this is a lot of hard thinking uh when the joint no, yeah, Gonzaga. yeah same here obviously and then boise state and memphis is probably one of the more interesting matchups obviously like you mentioned jalen Durman with memphis but boise state's a tough team yeah i have memphis they've been the second best team since imoni bates got hurt Gotcha. Yeah, I went with Boise State here as an upset just because I feel like everybody expects Memphis to win this because of Penny Hardaway, Jalen Duran, and I just I always have a hard time with these 8-9 matchups. But uh, I got Boise State here with, even though they're the higher seed technically, I got it with an upset. Uh, let's go on to UConn versus New Mexico State. I've got UConn, and can I just say one thing about the 8-9? The best yeah. advice I can give is don't even think twice about those because – it means nothing in the points. You lose like 10 points because they were yeah. going to lose to Gonzaga. Exactly. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah, UConn, you said, and I, I have UConn as well. Um, now, Arkansas versus Vermont. Who do you have in this one? I feel like we're about to say the same thing. I've got Vermont. Actually, I am going to go with Arkansas here. I understand why everyone keeps going with Vermont as the uh, the sleeper pick I see. I think Jay Billis had that as well. Maybe somebody else did, but I don't like to pick too many 13 over four upsets, and I have my 13 somewhere else in this one. And I also just want to see Eric Musselman versus uh, Hurley from UConn in a matchup going up against each other. I think that'd be incredibly fun to see and very tiring as well. So uh, uh, let's move on here. We got Alabama, number six versus 11, either Rutgers or Notre Dame. Uh, who do you got in that Rutgers-Notre Dame game? Yeah, I've got the winner of the playing game. 
You got them beating Alabama. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, uh, who do you think is going to win though? Rutgers or Notre Dame? I think it's Rutgers. I don't know how Notre Dame got in. That's, that's the big question that I've heard a lot, a lot of people say, like, I don't understand how Notre Dame got into this position, but um, here they are. And I would agree with you. I have Rutgers winning this game as well. Uh, Texas tech versus Montana state. Who do you got in this one? You know, I went back and forth. Uh, Texas tech can't play away from home and they have very little offense, but I mean, defense is their defense going to suffocate Montana State. So I got Texas Tech. Okay. Uh, I have Texas Tech as well. And then we got Michigan State versus Davidson. I think this is an interesting matchup, but uh, who do you got? I I think this is going to be a nail biter. Uh, I got Michigan State, but good draft matchup because it's Max Christie versus Hyun Jung Lee. Uh, two mm. shooters and Christie's a really good defender. Yeah, so I'm going with Michigan State because I'm a Big Ten guy and I just don't like betting against Tom Izzo. Uh, really good coach, and I think his resume just speaks for itself. Uh, Duke versus Cal State Fullerton. Who do you got? I got Duke. Yeah, it's pretty easy here. Obviously, 215. We don't see those upsets very often. This is Coach K's last year um, coaching this Duke team, so I think. For sentimental reasons, uh, they're going to get this victory. Now let's move on. We've got Gonzaga, and then you had Memphis. I had Boise State. Uh, we both, I believe, have Gonzaga probably winning this one. Yep, Gonzaga goes to the Sweet 16. All right, cool. And then we have uh, UConn taking on. You had Vermont. I had Arkansas. Um, are you picking UConn to win this one? Yeah, it didn't matter. I think we're going to have the same matchup. Yeah, I have UConn winning as well. And then we both had Rutgers versus Texas Tech. Is this where we see the upset continue with Texas Tech? Yeah, this is this is where Texas Tech not being able to play from away from home uh, starts to pay off or not pay off, but not pay off. All right, I'm going to go a little different here. I'm actually going to pick Texas Tech. Uh, I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride this a little bit here, and, and I think their defense is interesting, like you said. And Rutgers is such a hot or cold team for me. Um, like, who did they lose to in the Big Ten tournament again? I think it was was it Penn State. Or Northwestern or something like that. They, so I, I believe so. Now I'm curious and I want to look it up, but uh, we'll go with that for now. Yeah, I, I just know they got upset in the first round. And I think it was a little bit surprising because they've had a really good team with McConnell and, oh, and Harper. Iowa. They lost to Iowa the first game? Okay, then that's yeah. not a big deal. I'm trying to think who got upset in the first round. Maybe it was uh, maybe it was Maryland. I just – I, was. Yeah, I think now I'm – And one of the first nights. I can't remember. We come back to the next Big Ten team, I'll have an answer. Okay. <laughs> Well, we're not going to be too far away because Michigan State's right up next uh, against Duke for the two of us. Um, I'm going to pick Duke to beat Michigan State here in a Tom Izzo versus Coach K Classic uh, going back a couple of years ago. I believe that was an Elite Eight matchup, if I'm not mistaken, or a Final Four potentially. Yeah, I got Duke. And I found the answer. Uh, Penn State did well for themselves. They beat Minnesota and Ohio State and then lost by eight to Purdue. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, they did. they did do pretty well. So now... Let's get into our uh, Sweet 16 here. We both have Gonzaga versus UConn. Uh, I'm picking the Zags here. Yep. I know you got them in the title game, so I'm going to keep probably agreeing with you. Gotcha, gotcha. And then next, we both had – trying to remember who we both had now in this one. It would be uh, – So we got a different one. Yes, yeah, so you had – I had – Duke playing game. That's right. Duke versus Rutgers. Um, yeah, I had Duke versus Texas Tech. And actually, you know, I think I did pick Texas Tech to win this one, but I think I switched it to Duke. So I've got Duke versus Gonzaga in the uh, in the Elite Eight. Yeah, same here. And then from there, uh, this is where we differ. I chose Duke to go ahead and win that. So you have Duke beating Gonzaga. 
Yeah, I thought about that as well. I just, I don't want to get myself, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here um, with with um, <laughs> overthinking this one because I just really like, I really like Chet. And uh, and I, honestly, I think Timmy is going to have a good, um, I think Timmy is going to have a good tournament as well because of the experience they've had last year. But uh, I know there are some issues there with their guard play. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but I have heard that as well. Yeah, I I don't know if it's too glaring of a flaw. It's not something that I think will bite them this far. Maybe like in a title game or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I I can see that. So let's move on. Um, I've got Baylor versus Norfolk State uh, in the East region here. I'm going to go with Baylor to win this one pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, Baylor, all the one seeds will win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very seldom you see a 16 seed. Um, North Carolina versus Marquette, who you got? Another true toss-up, I'm going with Marquette. Okay, I'm going at UNC here. Um, and then we got St. Mary's versus the winner of Wyoming and Indiana. Yeah, I got the play-in again. Um, my whole thing is, one, I don't like either of the two teams that are playing the play-in game winners. And then two, I think it's all but – it's either one or two years since the play-in came a thing that the winner of the play-in game, one of them, um, reaches the Sweet 16 and – I really think that trend will continue this year. St. Mary's is beatable and Alabama is beatable. Yeah, so I've got Indiana beating Wyoming and then beating St. Mary's for me. Um, I know Wyoming is an interesting matchup, though, and they could easily beat the Hoosiers. But um, since I'm an IU guy, i got to go with my, my own team here. So uh, UCLA versus Akron. Uh, I think Akron's a really weak 13 seed. I got UCLA. Okay. Uh, Texas versus Virginia Tech. I am going all the way back and forth on this. Virginia Tech's hot. Texas is a team I will never trust again in my life. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, I think their defense is so legit that it's uh, it's going to be tough to stop them. I think they're going to hold hold them down and win a nail biter. Yeah, that is a toss up. I actually, because of the the way they've been playing, I picked Virginia Tech to win this game. Uh, the next one, Purdue versus Yale. Purdue is a team that I think has. Potential to get to the Final Four, but at the same time, Purdue always seems to underwhelm to a certain extent in the tournament. They've lost some big games when they've been a higher seed, so I'm curious what your thoughts are with this matchup. Yeah, I think Purdue's safely uh, winning this one. Gotcha. Let's move on. 7-10, Murray State versus Sanford. Who you got? See, I, I feel like people are saying this is going to be a lot closer than uh, than I, I believe. I think Murray State will cruise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't even know much about San Francisco, to be honest with you. Um, I have Murray State winning this one. And then I think we both can say we have Kentucky beating St. Peter's, unless you're trying to be a little bit trendy here with a different pick. Nope. Nope. I'm not trying to be different. <laughs> okay. All right. So for the Sweet 16 here, I believe. Yeah, let's go. Uh, around was it around 32? Around 32. Excuse yep. me. Um, Baylor versus you have Marquette. I have North Carolina. Who do you have winning that one? Yeah, I still got Baylor. I actually went with an upset here. I have North Carolina Ooh, beating I Baylor. Like it. What's what's uh I'm curious why. Honestly, I think I listened to somebody say that they could see it happening. <laughs> so that's, I was like, hey, that's all you need in March. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's just, uh UNC is uh, an interesting team. They they've been kind of a down this year, but anytime you get like an 8-9 seed, like they always can give the one seed a bit of a a headache, I feel like. And um I have a different team coming out of this region than the one seed. So I was like, all right, I, I, I can see it making more sense if the if North Carolina is able to upset Baylor uh, in this matchup. So it's not really anything like over the top, but I feel like one seeds have been upset early 
before quite a bit, actually, in the round of 32. So uh, I got North Carolina. I don't feel good about it, but I- I'm picking it here for me. And then, obviously, we both have uh, the play-in game, Wyoming-Indiana versus UCLA. Who do you got winning that one? Yeah, I got Wyoming-Indiana advancing. Oh, you got them beating UCLA. I got UCLA winning this one. Uh, so we're different there. And then we we had uh, Texas versus Purdue for you, and I had Virginia Tech versus Purdue. Um, I, I have Purdue winning that one. Yeah, yeah, it was a one and done for whoever gets to that point. Gotcha. And then we got Murray State versus Kentucky. Who do you got? So this one was tough for me. I did ultimately choose Kentucky, but I think that there is a real chance that if this matchup happens, Murray State wins this. They're an experienced team. Devin Brown could play in the NBA. They have a lot of depth. They're one of the best mid-major teams. They could beat Kentucky. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way, but at the same time, I'm a little bit nervous to pick it. So uh, I'm going to go with Kentucky here, but that's that would not surprise me. We've seen Kentucky teams get beat before uh, as a high seed. So now we've got you've got Baylor versus Wyoming, Indiana, and I've got the complete opposite, North Carolina versus UCLA. Who do you have winning that <laughs> matchup? Yeah, man, I I don't believe in anything of my elite eight or my uh, excuse me, Sweet Sixteen in this this bracket, uh, excuse me, region whatsoever. But like, I'm crossing my arms reading this. I'm like, I'm so stupid for what I'm about to say. But I have Baylor advancing. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm with you that they don't come out of the region. I don't think they make the Elite Eight. I couldn't justify any other way, though. So I, I have UCLA winning this one here. I think UCLA had a really good run last year. Um, Johnny Juzang, I'm just a fan of him. I, I like what they've done so far this season. I think they're a sleeper team. Uh, I have them beating North Carolina here, but I think they could beat Baylor if Baylor wins this one, too, uh, against North Carolina in the previous round. Uh, and then we both have Purdue-Kentucky. Who do you have winning that matchup? Yeah, that's another one I'm not confident in, but Purdue. I just I don't yeah. see them as an Elite Eight team, and here I am. I don't see any of the four teams in my Sweet 16 from that region as an Elite Eight team. But yeah, I have, I, Baylor. I have Purdue winning, and I have them playing UCLA, and I actually have UCLA making it to the Final Four back to over back. Purdue. Yes. Yeah, I have, I have Purdue making it. Awesome. So let's move to the South quickly here. We've got um, Arizona versus a play-in game. Uh, you got Arizona, obviously, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Seton Hall versus TCU. I, I cover TCU. I'm going TCU. I uh, I know you do, so that's why I went with them as well. Uh, I will not lie. I, I was like, I know that uh, Rich does cover TCU, so I'm just going to pick him. I've seen him tweet about him. So uh, we got Houston versus UAB. Who you got? Man, that was tough. Uh, Houston by a hair. Houston by a hair. Okay, yeah, that's what I have as well. Um, I told you earlier I had a 413 upset, and this is where it comes. And I've got Chattanooga taking down Illinois. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to reveal it now. I have Illinois coming out of this region, so I pray to God that you were wrong. Like, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't trust Illinois. I just, I mean. It it shouldn't happen. They should have been one. If they couldn't do it last year, in my head, I'm like, they're not doing it this year. But also, like, no one on Chattanooga is big enough to guard Kofi. So Yeah, well, I don't think anybody on IU is big enough to guard Kofi either, but they made it happen. So I, I think it all just depends on how you're uh how you do guard him and what in what ways you do so i've got chattanooga winning this one uh colorado state versus michigan who you got Uh, i went with the team that didn't suspend its coach okay that's the same for me colorado state we're moving on uh tennessee versus longwood Uh, i chose tennessee yeah this is a interesting one because tennessee i know they feel slighted here for being a three c they feel like they should be higher i don't necessarily disagree with them so um they could have a little bit of motivation on their uh uh, in in them to to try to prove 
this selection committee that they were uh, deserving of a higher seed. But at this point, who cares? Uh, they're already in there. A three seed is pretty good seed. Uh, Ohio State at seven versus number 10, Loyola Chicago. Uh, I think this one's a really big toss-up, but ultimately neither is going to be the next team they play in Villanova. I went with Loyola Chicago. Yeah, same here. And I went with Villanova as well. So let's go back up to the top um, here for our round of 32, Arizona versus TCU. All right. Uh, uh, to do based on how I, <laughs> I know, I know that I know you're, I know Derek Murray was on here and he said, Arizona, Arizona, but I'm going to go with TCU. I think their guard play. If Kirk Carissa is out, um, that's a real blow. And I think that TCU's bigs can neutralize Christian Coloco enough and uh, to Bellis that it would come down to Ben Mather and beating him in college wings. Just, I feel like, Guys like him don't do it and uh, go into hmm. TCU. That will be a fun matchup. So this is where you have your one being upset. Uh, just a little bit different. I had in North Carolina, you have TCU. So I respect it. I respect it. Um, obviously, we know that you have Illinois beating Houston here. I have Chattanooga beating Houston here, making it to the Sweet 16. Uh, we both have Colorado State versus Tennessee. So who do you have in that matchup? I got Tennessee. Same here. And then Villanova versus Loyola. You already said Villanova, right? Yep. All right, same here. So now we've got TCU for you versus Illinois, and this is where the Cinderella story ends for TCU. Yeah, you know, as much as I really love choosing 50-50 teams to go to the Elite Eight, I couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> so I've got Arizona beating Chattanooga in mine, and then Tennessee versus Villanova. Who do you have? Uh, I got Villanova. Yeah, same here. I have Villanova versus Arizona in my, in my uh, Elite Eight, and I have Arizona making it to the Final Four. Yeah, and I got – I'm violating my cardinal rule, which is don't doubt Jay Wright, and I'm going to do it and put Illinois there. Yeah, Illinois versus Villanova. That would be an interesting matchup. I'd be I'd be down with that. Uh, now let's get to the Midwest here. We know that Iowa is your champion, so we know how far they're going to make it, but let's just see what else you have. Kansas versus uh, the playing game. Yep, Kansas wins. Yeah, same here. San Diego State versus Creighton. Uh, true toss-up for me. I think this is the hardest one to predict. I went with Creighton. I went with San Diego State, so I uh, just, like you said, it was a toss-up. Um, we both went with Iowa here. What about Providence? Do you have them winning or South Dakota State? No, the the 30-point loss to Creighton, or who, I think that's who it was in the Big East tournament, really soured me, and, I've, and I really thought that South Dakota State, with their lack of size, wouldn't be able to take Nate Watson, but they got a guy, Baylor Shireman. Dude is like mid-major Luka Doncic. I'm not doubting uh, him as, as Mavs draft. So I told you that I don't like to pick too many 4-13 upsets, but I forgot that I actually did pick South Dakota State to beat Providence as well. So I've got two of them here in, in my bracket, so let's just see how good I do with that. Um, LSU versus Iowa State. Uh, this one's really a toss-up. It's, it's LSU for mm -hmm. me, though. Tari Eason. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. I've got LSU winning this one. Then we got Wisconsin versus Colgate. Uh, do you have Colgate upsetting this uh, Wisconsin yep. team? Yep, I got Colgate making the return to the tournament and, and doing making some noise. I got you. I got you. All right. So let's keep it moving here. USC versus Miami. Who you got? This one's going to change by tomorrow. I can just feel it. I've already changed it six times back and forth today. I have USC for now. I'm a Miami mm -hmm. fan. I was born one. I It could go either way for me. Yeah, I have USC in this one. And then, of course, I think we both have Auburn moving on at 2 versus 15 here against Jacksonville State. Yep. Uh, now we've got you, uh, we got Kansas versus uh, you have Creighton, I have San Diego State, I have Kansas winning. Yep, Kansas wins regardless. All right. Iowa versus South Dakota State, we both have that. Um, Iowa for both of us, I'm assuming. Yep. All right. I have Wisconsin, you have Colgate, we both have LSU. 
Do you have LSU winning this one? You know, I should, and I might change it after recording this, but at this moment, I have Colgate winning. I just don't know how much the coaching impact matters, but talent heavily favors LSU. Yeah, so I actually uh, have LSU beating Wisconsin here. Um, I think that'd be a really fun matchup to see Easton versus uh, Davis here. Um, and then we have USC versus Auburn. This is a, this is a different one. Uh, you kind of threw it out, and, um, and we talked about the Midwest region, that USC could upset Auburn. Do you have that upset here? Yeah, I talked about it for a minute. I'll, I'll just give another brief recap. I mean, the length of USC and, and if Boogie Ellis shows up, um, I really do think that uh, they're a difficult beat, team to beat, and they can limit Jabari Smith. Isaiah Mobley has the length. He can. He's the, the best guy to guard Jabari Smith in this NCAA tournament. Okay, so should I switch my pick from Auburn to USC? Hey, they're vulnerable. Look at what they've done over the last month and a half. Um, the whole Georgia game was a mess. Missouri, they they have really peaked. They peaked in January, so mm. I'm skeptical of those teams. Okay, I'll pick USC just for the heck of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change my pick here. I had Auburn. I'm going USC. Uh, so now um, I, we got Kansas versus Iowa. Is that what you have? Kansas versus Iowa. Yep. And Iowa's winning that one. Yep. And then you have Colgate versus USC. Who do you have moving on with that one? Uh, I have USC. Also, if if USC loses round one or Auburn makes the final four, burn this podcast like immediately. <laughs> Delete this from the internet. <laughs> All right. So I've got LSU versus USC, but since I had Auburn originally, I have to change it. So who should I pick here? That, that me. That would be a good game. I would. You know, the thing with LSU as I'm, this is about to be peak Galaxy brain. <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyways. The thing with LSU that makes it hard is maybe they change the, I don't know how much they actually change their system. And for me, I'm giving the tiebreaker to teams that have had their coaches for more than a week. And maybe they change their like a little bit, change their system. Maybe they start Tari Eason. That would be a big change. And if that happens, hey, you know what? LSU can make a run to the Elite Eight. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with USC because you sold me on the coaches part of it. Um, but I have Iowa in the Final Four. Let's go. We got, we got, I, I convinced you to get Iowa. I'm going to take the credit for that, even though you already had it. I did already have it. I'm just riding the, the high hand of Keegan Murray. I can't, uh, I can't stop. Uh, I can't get enough of Keegan Murray. So I think for our final four, you had Duke versus Purdue. Correct. And I have Duke and, winning that one. Okay. And then, so you have Duke beating Purdue and then you had, um, did you have, no, you didn't have Arizona. You had Illinois, Illinois versus Iowa. Yep, and I have Iowa winning that. Gotcha. So I have Arizona beating Iowa here in the Final Four, and I have Gonzaga beating UCLA here in the Final Four, leaving Gonzaga versus Arizona, and I have Gonzaga winning by two in this matchup. I think that would be a really fun game, and you have Iowa taking down Duke in the championship oh, in Cinderella, game. Or not Cinderella, the Hollywood uh, story. Yeah, Duke is not a Cinderella. I know, but you <laughs> have them beating Duke. That's so sad for uh, Coach K. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think it would be more embarrassing if he didn't, like for him, if he didn't make the final four. Uh, but, hey, you know, making the final in your last year, eh, nothing to complain about. Yeah. So what's really funny is I told you that I did a bracket where I did randomizer and it was just like I spun the wheel and whatever happened, happened. Um, I had Duke versus Purdue and Iowa versus Villanova in the final four with that, uh, with Duke beating Iowa <laughs> in the in the uh, championship game. So uh, my random wheel of spinning is very similar to what you actually have. So um, maybe you're onto something. Hey, I mean, my whole thing is 50% of your picks in this bracket, excluding the ones and twos first round games, 
should be going against your gut. Like if your gut tells you something and you have two in a row, one of them's wrong. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Um, I don't act like I know anything when I'm doing this. I just pick for fun. So I think honestly that might be the best way to go because sometimes you can get a little bit too caught up in uh, over analyzing it, over listening to what people have to say about it. But um, right now that's where I'm at with my draft. Like I said, it's subject to change by uh, by uh, by Tuesday or by Thursday, excuse me. So uh, I might change it again. I probably will because it's just the nature of the beast. But um, as we're recording this Monday night, that is what I have for my complete bracket. So, uh, Richard, thank you so much for doing that exercise with me. Yeah, thank you for doing it. Uh, it made me feel a little bit better about my <laughs> terrible picks. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. You can follow him at Mavs Draft on Twitter, like he told you before. You can follow me at Alex Golden NBA. Make sure you check out all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get them. And if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three and over on Instagram at Pacers Talk. Thanks so much for listening to our March Madness preview. We will talk to y'all later this week. Let's go Pacers! Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.